welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 48 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the mm. stuff of real life. Mm -hmm. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Good morning, Peter, and welcome back. Good morning. It's almost 49 years that I've been doing this. Oh, we got it's an anniversary coming up pretty soon. It's a new year, 2019. There we go. And it's cold outside today, even in California. So we're going to stay warm in the studio, and my hands are going to warm up eventually. And uh, we're going to make everybody comfortable, but we got better start with ourselves. Okay. Anyway, it's good to be back. Happy New Year. Uh, it is going to be a good new year. No matter what it brings, we're going to find a way to make, as my mother used to say, make lemonade out of lemons. So uh, that should be the theme of everything. That we And I, I hope my 92-year-old mother hears this today in Florida. Hi, Pauline. Hi, Pauline. Mom, this is, I, I'm taking this from your wisdom. And uh, if you don't hear it, I'll convey it to you by phone later. And uh, we'll talk then. Anyway. Okay. Hi, Jenny. Good so. morning. Good morning. Yes, let me start uh, as I, I try to usually with our title for today, mm -hmm. uh, which is a stressful, traumatic situation needs to be seen as a challenge and not a threat. Absolutely. I, absolutely. I think the, the title in itself is saying a lot. Um, it's, it's looking at uh, stresses and trauma and its impact uh, there's two ways to look at it. One is avoidant and another one is engaging. Um, I'm a person that believes and, and, and has built my life around the engaging approach, uh, which has certainly uh, brought me a lot of growth and development. It's also a tough, it's a tougher road. Um, I don't tend to run away. Um, so growth is definitely going to come out of it <laughs> and I'm going to be changed and hopefully impactful and uh, some some good things will develop out of it. And that's what I've discovered over the years. Even many times when uh, I can't really see because the emotion of this situation is running so high, I can't really see what the outcome's going to be. And um, I just know deep within myself from past experiences, no matter what my emotions are telling me, my deeper feeling state, my intuitive state, and my, my uh, past uh, is telling me, we're going to get through this, and there's going to be good that comes out of it, even if I can't see it right now. So that tells me there is always hope. And I'm not saying this in some guy who's sitting on a mountaintop. I'm talking about functioning in the valley. And that's where the most meaningful experiences happen, to be honest with you. We'd all love to be sitting above it all and not being touched by life, but that's certainly not been my experience. And with all the people that I've helped over the years, uh, it hasn't been their experience either. But we're not talking about being defeated in the valley and discouraged. We're talking about the opposite, is how to make the best of it, how to know that there are ways to come through it for the better. And uh, after f almost 49 years, I can finally draw upon some 
wisdom and experience and reach a, uh, a lot more people. And that's the purpose of our broadcast now, is to reach out where the, really, the needs really are for those people that need to have someone come alongside them and say, you're going to make it, you're going to pull through. This is what you're going through. Um, we understand it. I can see it. And I hear how, what you're, how, how you're feeling. And at the same time, hang in there. There's always hope somehow. And we are going to provide you with the material and the substance of life in some way to encourage you to keep moving through it. One of the things I'm learning lately, again, and I mean when learning is an ongoing process, is when people are really in the midst of the effects of trauma, whether it's old and it's been triggered or whether it's current trauma, well, it's not always easy to hear the encouragement. In fact, many people are so darn confused and overwhelmed, they don't hear or trust anybody. And when that time comes, it's such a battle to come through it and to hang tough and to know you're going to come through it. It's also tricky for the people trying to support you. Um, and I've learned that many in many different varieties and ways uh, that you got to find a way to reach a person and, uh, and touch them where they need to be touched and open them up in a way that they can begin to hear you a little bit. Not an easy task. Uh, it's not an exact science. I think it's an art. But nonetheless, it's very, very important in the healing process and uh, bringing them through it and bringing them, to, uh, bringing them out into the light again. So um, I'm not claiming that this is easy for people when they're going through. It's not been easy for me. Uh, I help a lot of people. It's not easy for them. But honestly, people make it all the time. You do get through it. So nobody's telling you to be superhuman here. We're talking about being using all of your abilities, your God-given abilities, to face these things and know you will get through it, that your emotions are not, don't let them dictate your whole perspective and mindset. Just know that they are part of what's going on, but don't let them take over. Don't let them overwhelm you to the point where they're in control and you're not. It's very important. Um, okay, does that make sense to you? Yes, Okay. It does. And it okay. reminds me of something that, that uh, you wrote a number of years ago, mm. um, a great paper, and it actually was uh, excerpted and, and published in our local newspaper. Uh, it was called Lessons for Surviving in Hard Times. And I remember one of them, Mm -hmm. is almost exactly what you were just talking about, yeah. which is don't let your emotions and history dictate your perspective or determine your outlook and future. Um, don't fixate on what's been taken away or lost. Be aware of it, and then shift your perspective as quickly as you can. So I was hearing you talking about <laughs> looking at your emotions that may color uh, as we've been talking about today, the stressful situation you're currently in. Right. And uh, what a challenge that can be. Well, that's a, it is, we were, you know, we, I brought it into the studio this morning and you were reading it too. It's a timeless paper and we learn from it and are reminded all the time. We wrote this and had this published all over the place during the height of the recession and when people were terrified and petrified and we felt we better reach out. Um, we certainly understood because we were all, go I was certainly going through it and I'd been through things like that before. But in like I said, instead of going to a place of paralysis or fearfully running away, uh, 
I usually engage very quickly. And so we decided to put the word out. Uh, people were being bombarded by banks and finance companies, losing their homes, losing their pensions, losing their fortunes, and losing their jobs. It was time for some encouragement and hope. It was a time of crisis on a massive level, and we were certainly not immune. But we also saw that there was hope in the midst of all of it. We had to write about it. And this paper is what came out of it. And I'll be honest with you, I read it this, this morning. It was sitting in the bathroom, and I'm thinking, darn, this important is... reading takes place. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, it's very important. And this was on the counter. And um, we were talking about it, and when we came into the studio, and I said, you know, and Jenny had some examples of it from what she had uh, not just read but thought about. It wasn't quite clear to me how that would relate yet. But I looked at paper, and she said, well, we could use some, some of your friends. Uh, I have a friend, Big Steve, who's an a, a emergency room nurse. Uh, he looks like Mr. Clean. He's just, you'd never believe he's such an incredible nurse. He's so strong and muscle-bound and all of that, and he does incredible work in the ICUs and the uh, ERs. But her example I didn't quite get. But anyway, in other words, he's a man of action, that's for sure in spite of what he feels, because he's, he's a big guy. He's got plenty of emotion. But he does not let that interfere with his being, doing his job. And, no, he really doesn't. No. But when we work out, I can attest to the fact he's got plenty of emotional burden from it all. Yeah. And uh, it comes out with his friend Peter. So it comes out. <laughs> but I'm used to it, and I have my own too. And, and, uh, but he's a good friend, and he, he, I value him. Anyway, um, but I was looking at the paper, and, and I... It was talking about how I came to the place of recognizing uh, the value of change. And um, I was talking about the change in my life that occurred to bring me to the point of becoming, uh, then, a potential psychotherapist and psychologist, now today a mentor and, and uh, life coach. And I'm tell you the truth, I'm much more at peace in that role than I was at the, in the other, although I did that for a long time. But, but I talked about... Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about the difficulties in my life in New Jersey, and I was in the construction business at the time, and uh, we ran into some difficulties. New Jersey in the construction business is plagued by um, conflicts or partnerships with organized crime. And frankly, I wasn't interested in being partners with organized crime, so I fought them, and I lost in many, many ways, lost everything. Uh, my family was threatened. Uh, my father had a serious heart attack. Um, we lost a lot. And thank God we didn't lose any of our own employees. But there were people being murdered around us. Uh, buildings were being blown up. We were threatened. It was quite a nightmare, worse than The Sopranos. But nonetheless, it spurred me on, believe it or not, to a life change. And I was still pretty young for the kind of responsibilities I had. I didn't really live the typical uh, young age, young person's life. I had a lot of responsibility at a young age. But it was a, it was a time to change, obviously. And uh, But, you know, I, I just want to read what I'm just I'm talking about, but not all the details. I say it was also a time when I began to discover the direction for my life. The discovery came about through crisis and through suffering and loss. I realized that other things besides financial survival were important to me, such as caring for my employees and their troubles. 
I found myself drawn to helping them. My employees were very loyal to me, and even though I was young, they loved me and trusted me. Despite my very best efforts, my family, my employees, and I all ultimately experienced a tremendous financial loss in our lives. But out of that loss came so much that I'm living out to this day. It was the beginning of a complete change of life, a transforming experience. Yes, it left its scars and wounds, but at the same time, it has led me to a life and path I'm grateful to be on. I'm fulfilled, and I can honestly say that, with the work that I do. And I feel very grateful to come from a background such as mine to be able to help people today and offer them encouragement, hope, and relief from their pain in ways that I could never have dreamed of them. And then we go on to talk about tangibles versus intangibles. Well, obviously, at that time, um, where we were getting hit, everybody was getting hit really hard, and I certainly, uh, this was the height of the trend, we're moving along into the uh, Great Recession. Um, we talk about, in this paper, about tangibles versus intangibles, and this is really important because so many of us put our, our security in money in our jobs, in our pensions, in our homes. Uh, and during that time, it, the rug was pulled out from under us in an incredibly traumatic way. And I, I, I'm just reading the net, one of the lines in this paper, and it says, but placing our faith in them is an illusion because they're not where real security lies. They're not where we're going to find fulfillment or control. Now, I never could have written that unless I had, first of all, put all my faith in that at one time and found out that that is just not going to be um, because material things come and go. And if we place too much emphasis on the tangibles, we're going to miss out on something more important, and that's the intangibles. What are they? They're things like happiness or fulfillment, our purpose in life. So... We write in here, no matter what the numbers say or how bleak things look, I write, I believe there's always hope. But if we put our hope in the wrong things, we're going to feel crushed, discouraged, despairing when crisis and reversals occur. And they certainly have in my life. And during the Great Recession, they have in, in millions of people's lives. So we need to look beyond the tangibles. And this is for the part, paper that we had published during that time. And we actually wrote a book was yes. that before this or during? Uh, no, it was after. The book was after. Yeah. And we included a number of the portions of this that's in the right. book. And that's called Trauma Healing the Hidden Epidemic, and it's a good book. It's written for everybody. Um, but one of the clues was we need to live each day to its fullest, giving it our best shot without worrying. Then whatever tomorrow brings, we must trust that there'll be answers to those challenges as they arise. As they arise. You know, this paper fits so well with what we're talking about on these broadcasts. And, you know, I, this paper is written, what, uh, so 39, this paper is written a long almost time. Almost 10 years almost ago. Almost 10 years Believe ago. Believe it or not. And I'm sitting here going, I was telling Jenny today, it's timeless. And it really is part of how we've evolved to this, these broadcasts today. So anyway, that was one of the examples. I hope it, 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 it clarifies things a little bit. And just to let you know that you're listening to the voice of experience, not somebody that sits on a throne or a uh, guru sitting on his big pillows. Uh, this is a guy who's down to earth, too, and has been through a lot, too. And uh, it still goes on for me, and it's going to go on for others, too. But there's an acceptance that I have um, about life and its difficulties. And uh, 
It's interesting. A fellow yesterday in, in a caregiving group that I was in uh, was talking to someone who's very inexperienced in caregiving and said, well, after a while you become hardened. And this man who said this isn't hardened. What he's learned to do is address to the hardships. He's learned to accept what's going on, knowing he can only do so much. So what we're talking about here is how to make adjustments and how not to be in denial, but how to begin to embrace what's happening in a in a way where, yes, you feel the emotion of it and the pain or the, of the struggle, but you also have an objective, clear acceptance and understanding of what's happening at the same time. And they work in a very inter, in, integrated and balanced way. I think Jenny's looking over at our technician here. I know. I'm watching the clock. Is it we saying that it's time it's for a time, break? It's time. We'll come back to this. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, but for now, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And Peter, I'd like to take you back for a moment to uh, a point in your life that you were talking about just before the break Mm -hmm. when it was time for change. Mm -hmm. It became very clear to you uh, when you were on the East Coast in the construction industry. Um, And again, I'm going to return to our title, which is to see a situation that is stressful and traumatic as a challenge and not a threat. Um, Could you take us back to that point in your life where it became clear to you that something you were going to have to make a change? And in that moment, was it a challenge was it a threat? Did you feel both those things? Did they go through your mind? Did you quickly shift? What was that experience like? Well, I think you just said it. It was both at that time. Today, I have the experience of knowing when I re- hit a, a, a difficult situation, instead of catastrophizing it and anticipating the worst, I really many times look at it as an opportunity. I get a, And sometimes things that scare some of my staff, I get excited about and usually we come out to some pretty good places. Um, during that time, I was much younger. I was learning and growing uh, a lot. Um, but yes, I came to a very desperate place because I knew that I couldn't change. I realized I couldn't change the outcome. We were going down. And I wasn't going to defeat our enemies. They were much more powerful than I was. And for a young guy coming out of the service, which I did, and being filled with as much pride as I had coming from the streets of New Jersey, it was a hard thing for me to admit that I was not going to win the battle. In fact, it was getting so dangerous that I was even getting scared. And one of the things that I remember that really disturbed me, that I was becoming, it was feels like I was in a battle zone and I was becoming more like my enemy. And I had a conscience. And when I saw that and realized that, that I almost didn't care anymore what I did in retaliation for what these, uh, I felt they were terrorists and monsters. Um, that, that disturbed me, really. I had a real crisis of conscience as well. And um, did I know how to get out of it at that point? No. I just knew that it wasn't good for me. I had a, certainly had a spiritual awakening, not a religious one, about 
Whew, I'm going to need some help, and I have no clue how to get out of this, but I don't want to continue down this dark path that I was on. So I was, at a, I was hitting a bottom with no apparent answers, but something inside of me um, felt some kind of hope. It was, uh, couldn't really explain it at the time because it was certainly mixed with a lot of emotions. But yes, and it was an awakening. And interestingly, not, not long after that, things began to reveal themselves that I never would have expected. And they were opportunities for me to get out and to start my life over again. And, and interesting, some of the people that gave me glimpses of mentoring were the ones that steered me in the right direction that I never would have expected it from. And they were right. They were far ahead of me. I didn't even understand what they were talking about. They, I, I didn't come from a world where even the world uh, where spelling psychology, I couldn't even spell it at that time. But it was helping people. And uh, they had seen that, that ha there was a, a calling, and they called it a calling. I didn't know what the heck they were talking about at the time. But they felt that was something to move toward. To be honest with you, it rang true. And even though intellectually I sure wasn't up to the task yet, intuitively I had that sensitivity um, for the downtrodden victimized people because I knew what it felt like so yeah there were some changes but I, I wouldn't say they were crystallized at all compared to what we're talking about today but yes I remember them clearly and I'll never forget them um, and I'm grateful to this day that I'm sitting here being able to tell this I've helped thousands of people and in helping them I've grown stronger and, and better to meet my own life crises not by choice could be health crises or other things that have happened. And yet I have an inner strength to deal with my emotional life as well as come to that place of acceptance, uh, hope. And uh, I may not have all the answers. I know that. And I can't always solve everything either. But I've come to a place of also maturity enough to go, there's certain things I can't change. And I have to accept them and make the best of them and do the best with what I have left. So I convert a lot of this into a positive, put some positive energy into making the best of them and uh, taking it one day at a time, just like what paper said, and trying not to let my worries overtake me. And I'll be honest with you, I could worry too, but I've developed so many different strategies to overcome that from the moment I open up my eyes in the morning that it does not carry me and it doesn't consume me. I'm able to shift into something so much better. I, I attribute that a lot to my own spiritual development, too. I was going to mention that, that you, when you were talking about that time in the past, that you had somewhat of a spiritual awakening. It was. And I just remember remembering in the paper, you also mentioned that. One of the things you write about is uh, that at a time when you are uh, in a crisis or when you're stressed, uh, it's a, a natural time when people start to uh, look at their spirituality. And again, we're not talking religion. Uh, what you wrote here was examine your spiritual life. Is this an area you've neglected or that you've used as an escape? Uh, seek spiritual guidance uh, and uh, take a look at what, uh, what this might mean for you. Um, I'm in that, I'm following you. And what I also see it that, that I underlined is work towards finding the balance between trust and faith in, in God's provision and taking the responsibility to do your part. I really am a, a big proponent of that. We're not talking about an escape, a religious escape. We're talking about 
Yeah, there's a power greater than all of us. I call it God. Um, it certainly has been true for me. But I'm not one that is just resting on that and escaping into religiosity at, at all because I am a man of action. I'm also a man of faith uh, and trust uh, and that I can only do so much, but I make sure I do the best I can with what I have and I give it my greatest energies. And I believe that there's got to be that balance and that takes time and it's not a one-time shot, a one-shot deal. You just keep working on that. So... Um, I and you know I have a friend that uh, who's a great trauma uh, worker. His name is Peter Levine, and he wrote a book called "Waking the Tiger." Waking the Tiger, a great book. And uh, one of the things I remember in one of the workshops, I hadn't seen him in years, and I decided to check out one of his workshops. I loved it. I loved Peter. We did the same. We're trained the same way. We did a lot of the same work. I went in different direction than he did, but really good man. And I remember in this workshop, a big one, a lot of people. He immediately said, and he, this was not religiosity, and he, I don't think he's a religious man, but he said, is anyone in here who understands trauma, has anyone, can anyone deny that there's some kind of spiritual reality in all of this mm -hmm. that comes to the forefront? And I, if hundreds of people were in it. I would, I would say most of the people raised their hand. They were on that, on that they wavelength, saw it. too. Yeah, mm -hmm. students, there were a lot of students from local universities, but I... I realized that he wasn't talking. He was talking about this is an important component that emerges during crisis and trauma. Um, I found it to be true. I continually see it as being true for people. It takes many different forms, and uh, it whom, can be as simple as someone saying, "What is this? What does this mean? What does my life mean? What is really important right now?" Uh, it, it can be any anything like that. Well, that could be one of the spots, yeah. Yeah. I've had people, you know, who had some kind of religious upbringing turn their backs on it. Others who wish they did, who had none. Others, there's so many variations. Yes. Um, dealing with veterans coming back from the wars. That's where you hear so much of it. I hear this. so much of it. Yes. And um, a lot of them are mad at God. And they go, how could you have allowed this kind of atrocity to happen? Or, And you could hear their pain. And their and their brokenheartedness. Mm -hmm. Some did have strong religious backgrounds, and when they come back, they don't always have it. In fact, one of the most destructive wounds that uh, we all work on, and uh, we've dealt with the Navy SEALs, and is called moral injury. Mm -hmm. We call it bankruptcy of the soul, and it, it's really a, a big component of folks coming back from the wars with PTS, post-traumatic stress, and all of them have it to one degree or another. It's always brought up. And for us, it's always sitting back and not making judgments one way or the other, but letting them go express it. And the pain and the agony and the torment is so intense. We know how to begin to diffuse it, the emotionality and the trauma that goes with it that they're stuck in. And then they can begin to sort out their own spiritual life and their yes. own conflicts about that and yeah we can help them if it's something we're familiar with if not we encourage them to follow it mm -hmm. um so yeah that's a big it certainly was a big component of my life at that time it's in my life it was not anything religious though it was it was surprising and kind of jolting but i needed that and it certainly was something i could hear and listen to and in the least expected way um people come out of the woodwork and coming up with opening doors for me and opportunities to change my life that 
and these were the folks you never would have expected to do that. And yet here they were. And they called me and they said, we need to talk. And these were folks that I would have associated with my enemies. And it turned out these folks were not coming from that place at all. They did care about me a lot. And they were concerned about my safety. But they had also come to observe me for several years. And sure enough, they're the ones that said, this is what you need to think about doing. This is, these are what, this is where you need to go. And it was almost the, I want to say it was the answer to prayer, but I wasn't praying. But it was certainly answering my conflict and my desperation. And it worked out just right, right to this very day. I want to return to that also. Um, uh, but first, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And before our break, Peter, you were remembering um, a little bit more about the time when you made such a significant change uh, moving from construction on the East Coast uh, to a new life out here in uh, what was then very weird California. At least in my mind, coming from New Jersey. It was weird. Mm -hmm. And that there were surprisingly, or at least the people, which uh, the individuals that came forward and, and actually contributed to the changes that you were making, uh, they were surprising to you. I wanted to ask you, um, one of the things we've talked about in the past is the um, the alternative between in a stressful, traumatic situation, as we're talking about mm-hmm. today, the impulse to just react, just mm-hmm. go, just okay. do whatever. I got to right. do something versus the maybe a little bit more measured response. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that situation, it sounds to me like... And Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you were working through what do I do next instead of going, oh, my gosh, I've got to go do this right now and just running off and doing it. And instead, in some ways, it sounds like you were open to hear mm-hmm. what other people were saying. You took it in. You allowed it to contribute to your process of working through this. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Well, we're on the same page, interestingly, because I was just going to talk about that. Um, the difference between reactive, reactivity and responsiveness under stressful circumstances. I tend to be a reactor. And that means in a crisis, I am on top of my game, fast moving, know what to do, get it done. And I seem to have the mechanisms built, survival mechanisms to move on a situation quickly and know what to do. Um, I can help other people when they get frozen or per, are afraid. I get them moving quickly too. So yes, that's that, I have that. But under less demanding crises, um, the truth of the matter is we need to have a different kind of balance in ourselves. And that is the ability to assert and to engage with the challenges and the crises and the difficulties and traumas. But we also have to have some ability to be have a measured thoughtfulness too. Uh, and think things out a little bit, knowing that we have choices and to give it some time. And that's, it's, it's an interesting thing because we have different parts of our brain. We're talking about 
the autonomic part of their brain, that's the automatic, where we have those quick intuitive reactions. Like a reflex. Absolutely, and we have it when it's dangerous and when it's we're safe. But there's another part called the prefrontal cortex, and that's our executive function of our brain. And we, that needs to come into play. We're not um, as primitive, although we have the same mechanisms as our primitive animal ancestors, and and uh, we have similar processes for sure. But one of the things that we have that they don't is we have the ability to think things through. We reason, We yes. can reason. Now, that can work both ways. It can be a negative as There's well. There's people that can ruminate and just do nothing, and it's another way of avoiding, and actually they spiral down. They're, they're not good help to themselves or others. But I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about those that are able to think things through and to choose new directions and see new opportunities in and through the challenges and, and difficulties. And to combine that thoughtfulness with the emotions that are being stirred at the time. We're not denying those. In fact, I don't want to. But there's a good, there's a very effective balance um, how to deal with both. I've learned to do that through the years. And um, I like it. It's a nice approach. I know I can deal with the crises if it hits me fast and hard. I know. But I also know most of the time it's not like that. And even though I'm accustomed to difficulties and challenges, I do think things through. I do think things through. I look for opportunities and new choices. Uh, I like to move forward, but I also like to put some time into working it through. A lot of people say, well, you move a lot faster than most people. Well, for me, it's not as fast as you think. Um, there's a lot of people that move too slowly. I get frustrated with them. Not that I don't care for them. I do. I don't move that slowly, but I can process more quickly doing both. And I can think things through. Instead of being impulsive and reactive, I don't let my emotionality take over. And I rein it in. It, uh, I think the Dalai Lama called it uh, mental hygiene. Emotion emotional hygiene. <laughs> emotional yeah. hygiene. Mm -hmm. And honestly, there's something to it. I never understood how he called it that, but I get it now. And that is, during these situations, of course you're going to feel fear and anger and trepidation and, and uh, panic and all of that, of course. But nobody's denying that, any of that because you're human, you're going to feel it all. But you have to have the ability to not let it take you over. And this, you got to rein those emotions in. Maybe there'll be an opportunity. We do in our work, we give people, we do a, a form of body work, not psychotherapy, but to relieve their pain um, physically. And if it comes up emotionally with it, okay, fine. But the truth of the matter is, it's not always called for. And you got to be careful. So the responses can't be just reactive. They've got to be controlled and maintained so they don't confuse your direction and your actions. I've talked to people a lot about this lately that I see this the holiday time. I'll bet you there's a lot of people out there that know holiday time is a time that people get triggered and get very distracted and overwhelmed and it's so common. It causes a lot of car accidents. And I'm just thinking driving just, is a clear example of this. And some kid just ran into my truck, and he was really out of it. So, And I know I wasn't alone from what the body shop tells me. But nonetheless, what, it is a difficult time. All right, so you look at that, and you, uh, you go, okay, 
So the emotions run high, but the key really is, the real point of all of this is not to let them take over. Yes, we all have them, but not to let them run the show. And to recognize them, maybe there'll be a time to deal with them later in a more appropriate way, but keep them under control. Don't let them take over. That's a really important part of this whole process. So that in itself will intervene in the reactivity and slow you down so you can begin to get more thoughtful. And you're actually, there are neural pathways in your nervous system that begin to get activated that will suppress the fear reactions and bring you into another way of reacting and responding that will be more thoughtful, more positive and constructive. And usually, honestly, whether you call it that or not, hopeful, because it's going to move you in a constructive new direction. That's what you're looking for. And that is a very important issue to all of this. But we are not negating or denying the emotionality of these situations. That would be inhuman. We're just saying, don't let them run the show. You're going to go in the wrong direction every time that you do. And you're going to inflame the situation instead of making it better. Now, that's most of the time. There are times I can't deny it. When, and like I said, in crises, I'm very cool and calm. But inside, there's so much emotion. It goes with the territory. I just know that, yeah, it's going to, it's going to push me into action quickly. And I'm going to move quickly. But truthfully, uh, we're not talking about every time being one of those terrible traumatic crises. We're talking about difficult, challenging life situations, but there will be time to re become responsive rather than reactive. So and that's very important. I want to uh, just ask if this is a, a important point to make. Um, um, and this is, again, one of the points that you had in your paper uh, mm -hmm. under stress, to examine your emotional life if uh, if wounds from your past are distorting your life now with fear, this is a good time to get some help. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, along the lines of what you're talking about, about the flood of emotions that can happen under a stressful situation. Sometimes those emotions are seem so enormous and don't seem to be at all in proportion with what's happening in the present. Right. Even though what is happening in the present may be very difficult, mm -hmm. the emotions seem way too much. Uh, and here's where you might uh, clarify a little bit that sometimes those emotions really don't have to do with the present. They can be coming up but actually have their have their um, kind of basis in the past. Well, you're talking about post-traumatic stress. Yes. And you're talking about being triggered. Like the holidays. Yes. A lot of people have PTSD. I don't mean PTSD. We don't call it disorder. But a lot of people have the past that comes up and they, it gets triggered. They're not always conscious of it. But it distorts the reactions and contaminates their reactions in the present. Go drive on the roads when during the holidays and you'll know what I mean. Yeah. Plenty of distraction. But, um, yes, that does happen. And we... You know, we've specialized for years in helping people come out of the past back into the present. Now, we do it as coaches and mentors now. Uh, um, Which has been a very natural transition for you. That was the direction you've been going for years. For several years, and I'm very gra grateful. I want to thank the Navy SEALs for straightening me out. Crystallizing and that. Yeah, and they were, they were right. I really thank them to this day, many of them, for opening my eyes. We don't call it disorder for good reason. Um, but, ow, just hit my, my earphones. Uh -oh. um, 
Where were we? I want to. Uh, you were thanking the uh, seals for helping that, you. Yeah, I know. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about uh, the contribution of the old emotions okay. in the present. Okay. No wonder, because it's a comp- it's a difficult subject. We wrote a book on it. We've written many papers on it. Um, it's different forms of. We have what they call complex developmental trauma from the past. We have shock trauma. We have the com- combination of the both. Uh, we clarif- We got it. Got became very crystallized in our. We have. We work with a nonprofit, dealing with veterans and their caregivers. So we've dealt with a lot of veterans of different, mostly Marines and some SEALs. Um, but we've learned a lot about this. And what we're seeing is that anybody who's got a past and if there's been trauma or difficulty in it, um, carries the scars and the wounds of that time. Now, even with help, and this is something I can attest to, um, not just personally, but in our work, uh, we can do a lot to help people recover and come into the present and help them realize a better, a much better future. And that's what we're really after. We can't always just negate their past, though, and pretend that it didn't exist because the emotional content under certain circumstances can come back up. And it totally contaminates their reactions, makes them very reactive. In a pro- and I mean, so far off the mark in the present, they can't stop it. They're still what we call resonating with the pain of the past. It is built into their nervous system. It is pr- imprinted. And even though we can diffuse it and help them come into the present, which is what we're after, uh, we've got to admit it can happen and we have to recognize it and help them come out of it and begin to work them in, back into the present, get their solid grounding, get get on, get their feet on the solid ground again, and help them continue to move into a very positive future with hope. And but that takes some. That's part of our work as coaches and mentors. It's always been part of your work. Absolutely, and this we even more so now, but not psychotherapeutically anymore. No. I would say more coaching, mentoring, and certainly helping them recover from the the physical pain that they've been in because that goes with the territory and we're very we have some very very good work we do with that but anyway yes it does happen that's one of the components of reactivity that we have to be aware of and sensitive to because we want to bring them to a place of being responsive to the present when that other stuff is running rampant it's not being bridled if they're out of control and i don't always mean dangerously so like uh, but emotionally so and it certainly hurts relationships. And uh, most of the time, we know that it can be, it's temporary, but certainly with people that we've helped. But others don't have appropriate help. They don't know what to do with it, and they get lost. Yeah. And a lot of times, particularly in psychotherapy, and I know I used to do this, they just stay in the past. And the psychotherapy actually enforces can that, kind reinforces of, yeah, that, because we constantly dissect, dis- dissecting the past. Yeah. But sometimes that's uh, the idea that I saw was get them out of that and bring them into the present. Very much what coaching and mentoring are about. Yes. Moving forward, not disregarding what has happened, but moving forward. Absolutely. And yeah. apply, and making sure that, that we can get them s- sorted out and, and uh, stabilized in the present. Yes. And help them realize the future that they really want and sh- let them know they can have it. But emotionally, there's a lot of components to it. One of them you just mentioned is very, very important. You can read our book called Trauma, Healing, the Hidden Epidemic. And, and there's we, information for that on the website that I'll give the address for at the end, yes. 
Yeah, and it's a good book. We wrote it for everybody, not just professionals. Yeah. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and I feel a little bit like a broken record. I'm going to return to our title again, which is a stressful, traumatic situation needs to be seen as a challenge and not a threat. And I want to bring up something, Peter, that you mentioned to me as we were preparing today's episode. I want to make sure we have a chance to talk about it. And that is what you called the high cost of avoidance. (laughs) Um, And what comes through my mind uh, for that is uh, if we're not able to see our stressful, traumatic situation as a challenge and instead it seems like a threat, what we often do is make excuses to avoid acting or avoid dealing with what's coming up. The high cost of avoidance uh, is a real real significant uh, issue here. Uh, excuses could be uh, I there's nothing I can do I don't know what I I don't know what to do um, there's uh, I Blame any it, blaming others blaming others mm-hmm. um, there's any number of excuses and I'm not I don't hope no one out there hears this as criticism we are human we can fall into the trap of being so afraid, we make up some way to uh, justify mm-hmm. not dealing with it. Yeah. But your point here is there's a cost to this behavior. Um, can we can we kind of go through that a bit? Yeah. And interesting, I was just reading some of the points in that paper again that we wrote, and uh-huh. that was just the one I was looking at. But one of the things about people who are engaging people who are not threatened by challenge is they realize what a... Uh, troubling issue that is and how much trouble it can make that the end result of that kind of thing leads to much worse trauma much worse crises and brokenheartedness really but uh, I was just reading this and it says this is one of the points in a paper we wrote it says deal with reality it's important to face your reality don't bury your head in the sand Look at the hard facts, and this was about the the crisis that we were in the financially the recession, and, yes, yeah, of your financial situation, painful and traumatic as they may be, even if you're facing the lo- these big financial losses. But recognize that facts aren't the complete reality. Don't let the facts be the complete reality that determines whether you're happy or sad, fulfilled or miserable. The facts and numbers may hurt. But take a look at the non-tangibles as well, as, as well. Leave the tangibles and the numbers crunching up to the bookkeepers and CPAs. Don't forget that there's so much beyond that. And, of course, don't let your emotions dictate your perspective. And appreciate what you have. See, all of these things, to me, are essential. Um, you know, I'm one of those people, like, forgive me, I'm also human, but when I see someone who really is an avoider, um, I know that there's going to be brokenheartedness. I know people are going to be hurt. Um, they're going to feel abandoned in their time of need when loved ones disappear. 
um, it's an interesting phenomenon I deal with. The, I'm involved in some caregivers groups for the Alzheimer's and dementia uh, organizations, and interesting how many families are blown apart during mm-hmm. these difficult times with a horrible disease, just yes. a nightmare growing exponentially too. But there are always people, brothers and sisters, husbands, wives, and they just are nowhere to be found. They disappear. When the need is so great, they cannot bring themselves to face and help in the difficulties. And it, they, people are hurt. People are frustrated and, and carry much more burden than they should in the caregiving because others that should be helping and sharing want nothing to do with it, find a million excuses to avoid it. And I've seen more families disintegrate or be fragmented over this. It's common. It's tragic, but it's tra- It is tragic. These are the times when people need to come through for each other and astounding how common the other is. For people who are engaging and um, recognize and accept the situation as difficult as it is and adjust to it and begin to take appropriate actions to make the best of it, to bring some positive energies to the one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time. For those people, it's very hard to understand avoiders. It's very hard to understand people who run away. They can understand it, but I can assure you, when you're looking at the emotional responses to it, it's not usually very good. Um, I've seen a lot of grudges build out of it and bitternesses and, and feuds that go on for years, and that is a heartbreak. But it does happen, and you certainly can understand the emotions of a person who's uh, taking care of someone in need, and then others in the family just don't want to have anything to do with them, and they find a million excuses to justify their bad behavior. For an engager, it is a hard thing to accept, and yet it is part of life, too. Um, one of the the most important things to that, and I want to put this in for all of us folks that are engagers, people who are action-oriented, is you got to learn to forgive. Not everybody's like us. And there are folks that do not have the integrity or the backbone or the emotional resilience that you do. And they're not going to be able to stand with you. That's the truth. And you got to find a way to forgive them. It doesn't mean saying that what they're doing is okay. Nobody's saying that. But it's don't carry the bitterness. I want to put this in there, all of us engagers. Don't allow bitterness and grudges consume your own heart and being because you're going to be contaminated. And then your effectiveness is going to be impacted too. And you need your resilience, as we've been talking in all of our episodes. You need it. You have many more challenges in life to face. You're an engager. You know life's going to go on. There's going to be uncertainties and difficulties. And you're going to face them because you know about life. So you need your energy and you need positive energy. When you carry grudges and bitternesses for people who are not engagers and are avoiders, that grudge or bitterness or frustration you have is going to deplete your energy that you need for yourself. So forgive them, not for their what they've done, but so you don't carry it in your own heart and hurt your own self. This is a challenge to all of us engagers. And it's very important to keep in mind because you're going to be challenged with this. Can we also take a moment to uh, talk about from the perspective of the people who are avoiding 
and then at some point in their life wake up and go, I've been avoiding and now I have such regrets. Can we share that that side of it too? Yeah, and I think we've seen that. Even with some of our staff who've been through that and have in different parts of the life avoided life situations that can't be repaired. It's it's the there's certain choices that you make that we all make that are so filled with the deepest most difficult regret and remorse that you'll have, and it's not erasable. Um, keep that in mind. I sure do. And if it's anything that I'm afraid of in my life, it's to have those kind of remorses and regrets. For avoiders, you're going to have that. And at some point, you're going to wake up. And we've seen enough of that in our work. And you're sitting with things that you didn't do that needed to be done, and now you realize it. And there's nothing more you can do. You can't repair it. The people are gone. The, the things you could have done can never be uh, turned around. You're left with the consequences of your passivity and running away. I want to encourage you, don't let it happen. Wake up before it's too late. Don't live with the regrets that are very... We help people get over them to some degree, but they, they tell us we carry the wounds deeply, and I believe them. Uh, we have some of our staff at our institute that have that, and they're honest. They've grown so much since then, and they say they carry that wound, and there's nothing they can do about it. What they do is help other people now to make sure that they don't make the same mistakes. So I want to pass this on to you. Even if you're uncomfortable, anxious, wanting to avoid, think about the consequences of this kind of avoidance. Don't make any more excuses. And boy, avoiders have a list, as you brought in yesterday. Mm-hmm. On the, out of You got it out of some computer program, I think. It was on a website, yeah. Holy mackerel. Those standard excuses that and, people make not to take action. And I told Jenny, we can't go over all those this morning. There's too no, many. Oh, no. But truth is, they're pretty standard. But the end result is always the same. Yes. Regret, pain, and remorse. And a weakening of integrity in your character. Mm-hmm. And eventually all the ex- excuses will fall away and you're left facing the very painful truth of very poor choices. Yeah. I encourage you to change before it's too late. For you engagers and people who seek challenge, don't stay bitter. Don't hold grudges. And um, no, you need your positive energy because you're going to be using it. That's the kind of life you've, you're ready. That's your purpose and meaning in life. Don't hold on to these bitternesses and these judgment calls that are filled with judgmental anger. Let it go. And just be grateful you're not one of them. Um, And know that you could have been, but for some reason or another, another path was chosen for you, you chose another path. And it's the one that leads leads to much better income, not necessarily, but outcomes. But I'll tell you this, you got a, a more difficult road your con- the consequences will be very positive, though. The outcome is very hopeful for you and for all the people you make contact with because they have the blessing of knowing you and the good work that you've done with them. But um, don't get distracted. Stay on course and try to be a little bit more compassionate about those people that don't have the strength, integrity, or energies that you do. Find a way to accept the fallen part of humanity, too, and just be grateful you're not one of them. 
Anyway, that's something that I hope comes across. I know that's a little spiritual. I hope so, because mm-hmm. that's a good thing that came out of it for me. I tend to be judgmental. I tend to really look at people like that with contempt during the heart. My emotionality gets to be like that. It's not a pretty thing to do. And the only person in the end that will suffer and be at loss will be you. So let it go um, and uh, just move on. Anyway, one thing that I wanted to see, our number number 10 on that paper we wrote was yes. don't give up. Oh, yeah. It says, let me encourage you. Hang in there. Don't let your finances determine your future. Remember that there's far more to life than that. Through all that we're good, uh, through all that we're going through, I believe there's going to be something that comes out of it that will be for the good. That's the end of that paper, and I like it. And that, it ends with hope. And hope. That is something will come out of this for good. Absolutely. And that has been the the just the bedrock foundation of your approach, the way you work, and the way I your live. Life. Yes. And the way you work. And you know what? May this broadcast communicate that to the people in need. And we want to hear from you. Give us your feedback. And if you don't like us, tell me. But if you do, tell me that too. I'd like to hear he it. He can take it. Yeah. yeah. She can take it. I don't know if I can. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Oh, no, oh. We, we can take it. We would love to hear from you. All anyway. Right. Thank you. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson. If you'd like to know more about our show, uh, if you'd like to give us any feedback, and we would love that, uh, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. That's thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next time. Thank you. Thank you.